0: Hi everybody, welcome to another episode of Trading Conversations and I'm your host Philip Thiel. You are here my friend because you believe that profitable trading is one of the most efficient ways to attain financial freedom and can be achieved as long as you are willing to put in the hard work to develop your trading competency. Our goal with this show is to introduce you to the traders who have dug through the trenches and emerged at the other end. From the sharing of their trading stories, strategies, workflow, and best practices, I hope to help you shorten your learning curve as you embark on your journey towards trading mastery. The upcoming interview you will be listening to is part of the online trading summit that we organized and hosted previously. Possibly Asia's first virtual trading conference, I invited more than 32 global trading experts to share their trading knowledge with more than 25,000 traders from around the world. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome to Online Trading Summit. Do you think you have put in a lot of efforts but is simply still not profitable? If you are still struggling to become the kind of trader that you aspire to be, you probably are still making all the mistakes of a typical new trader. Fear not, with what you are going to learn in this upcoming presentation, you will learn how to sidestep the biggest mistakes made by most traders and 10 times your chance to become a profitable trader immediately. Hi, I'm Philip Teo, your host for Online Trading Summit 2019 and I'm thrilled to introduce to you Rainer Teo, our presenter for this particular session. Rainer is the founder of TradingWithRainer.com, a trading blog that most of us traders would have visited at one point or another in our journey. Because of Rainer's willingness to share his trading knowledge freely, he is now the most followed trader in Singapore with more than 130,000 traders reading his blog each month. On social media, he has attracted 220,000 YouTube subscribers. Wow, phenomenon. And 50,000 Twitter followers and 30,000 highly engaged Facebook group members. With this very short intro, it's my honor to welcome our summit speaker for this session, Rainer Thiel. Hey, 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 what's up my dear friend, Rainer. Thank you for joining us
1: at Online Trading Summit. Hey, Philip, thank you for having me, it's my pleasure. Wonderful,
0: wonderful. You know what, it's really a privilege to have you on board this summit to share with us your most enduring lessons learned from a decade of trading. Now, for the benefit of those summit participants who might not have heard of you before, can you briefly walk us through on your personal trading journey? How did it all started for you and how did you end up setting up trader, uh, trading with Rena thereafter?
1: Okay, so I I first uh, got interested in financial markets sometimes back in uh, in the army days, right? I had a little bit of free time to read books. So that's where financial markets investing caught my attention. And I would say I, I dive deep into trading in my university days when a broker, you know, came down, organized a Forex trading competition. I took part in the competition and that's where I got a taste of, you know, what trading is all about. So after graduation, I I uh, worked as a prop trader for a couple of years for one of the proprietary trading firm in Singapore, which I think is, uh, no, is no longer around. And that's where I, I got uh, my first foray, right, into uh, so-called professional trading. So I started off uh, trading the futures market, the Nikkei 225, right? And from then on, I kind of, you know, my trading evolved over the years, right? So that's where I realized that, hey, you know, uh, day trading, short-term trading is not something that I, I want to do for the long because I don't enjoy uh, sitting 12, 14 hours a day, you know, trading the markets. So after a couple of years, right, uh, I, I left Prop Trading, right, and that's where, you know, uh, I think at that point of time, that's where Trading with Rainer kind of just started because uh, back then at Prop Trading, there were also a lot of free time, right, as a, as a short-term trader. So that's where I started, you know, blogging a little bit, writing some stuff, and, and, and yada, yada, right. So when I left, right, that's where, you know, Trading with Rainer, I had more time and resources to, devote to it right and from then on i i uh i took it i would say more seriously right where i, I put out more educational content videos and stuff like that so over the years the trading i've transitioned from i, was, I would say short term trader to a uh, swing position trader and uh, recent times or right, over the last couple of years right uh, i also moved into systematic trading so uh, i would say that has been the evolution of my trading throughout the years right and 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 that's uh, how it is right so yeah,
0: fantastic, fantastic. All right, cool, so um, uh, wonderful. I'm sure you are ready to open up your closet to talk about all the wrong steps that you have taken throughout your trading journey, as well as all the worst mistakes made by those traders that you have coached over the years. Now, to the Summit participants watching this video, I'm sure you are just as eager as me to see and hear about Rainer's stories. But before we head into that, I would like to take a moment to thank and introduce you to our Summit sponsor. What are you doing? I'm investing in oil. Got a few more barrels at home. You know, you don't have to buy the actual barrels. i just... Maximize your trading power with CFDs. Join eToro and build a portfolio with commodities, currencies, stocks, indices, cryptocurrencies, and more. Oil, anybody? Anyone? eToro, trade it all.
1: What I'm about to share with you today, it's powerful stuff, right? Because if you apply, you understand the concepts, right? It could change and transform the way you trade forever. So let's get started. Here's what you'll discover in today's uh, session, right? Number one, you'll learn, right? What are the biggest reasons to why traders fail and how you can actually avoid it? And then we'll move on into the second section where I'll share with you proven trading principles, right? That you can apply to your own trading and get results fast. So let's get started. Number one, right, mistake number one is, you know, traders, they often, right, like to buy cheap stocks, right? And I, I don't blame them. I don't blame you. For example, here's why. So when, when you are young, right, you know, you like me, for example, I am brought up in a, a middle-income family. So, you know, money is not always in abundance, right? We have to save whenever we can. So whenever I go down to the supermarket to buy groceries with my parents, they always tell me to find the best deal, find stuff that are cheap. Right, you want to buy the cheapest orange, the cheapest apple, right? If oranges are selling at you know three for two dollars, that's fine. But if oranges are going for like you know one for ten dollars or twenty dollars, that's ridiculous. So you always want to buy the cheapest stuff out there, right? The most value for money. And when you bring this uh mindset to the markets, to the stock markets, right? You can see that this is actually uh very dangerous. And the reason being is that when you buy a stock, it can remain cheap for years to come, right, months or even years. And and this, right, would translate into a huge opportunity cost to you as the trader. So let me share with you a story. So uh, when I was young, right, I had this uh, relative of mine, right, a close uncle, right, let's call him John, and he bought this particular stock called Brilliant. I, I do not know why the name is called Brilliant, but it's called Brilliant. And the reason why he bought that stock, right, is because the price was trading at a Brilliant price, right? Price is low. That's brilliant. The fundamental that he, the fundamental analysis that he performed, right, it looked brilliant, right. So hey, you know this uh, seems like a good cheap stock to buy. So let's do it. And so Uncle John, right, bought this uh brilliant stock, and the performance of the stock is brilliant, right. It pretty much went downhill, right, since the day he bought the stock, right, and it went down for years. And it's not only after five years, right. Of holding that stock right because, after all, his, his mindset I, I can remember it was along the lines of you know, as long as I don't sell this stock, right? It's not a loss, after all, it's only a paper loss, right? So, Uncle John didn't sell the stock, right? And eventually, the stock did recover back to his uh, original buy price and he sold the stock for uh, no gain and no loss. So, it's in other words, break even. And here's the thing, right? During that period where Uncle John held the brilliant stock, right, the the stock market, the overall stock market was actually in a uptrend, a bull market, okay, and and this is actually a huge opportunity cost to him because I believe he invested about $100,000, right, into that brilliant stock, and during that five years, he made zero, not even a single percent on interest because, you know, the stock, he sold it off at break-even, and at, at that point in time, right, if he had chosen to buy Stronger stocks, or at least put it in their index fund or something, right? He would have at least you know, made 50 60% of his money right over that five year period, and that to him is an opportunity cost that he missed. So it's not that he did not make a, a loss on the on the trade, I mean, technically, he didn't make a loss on that so called investment, but you can see that it was a huge opportunity cost to him, anywhere from you know 40, 50, 60 thousand dollars, right? Opportunity cost. So that's the first reason, right? When you buy a cheap stock, right, it can remain cheap. For years and that's a huge opportunity cost to you and number two right uh, when you buy cheap stocks right or stocks which are lowly priced right they actually have a higher probability of loss okay i'll prove this to you later later on but intuitively right you can you know right that if you are buying stocks that are cheap it means that they are in a downtrend they are declining steadily over time so you're buying something that clearly is already going against you and that actually increases the probability of a loss and i'll prove it to you Later on, but mistake number one is you know, you know, is many traders they they want to buy cheap stocks, right? So, bear in mind. Moving on, mistake number two, no clue, no plan, no idea. So, so what do I mean by this, right? So let me you know share with you my own story. So back then when I first got started in the financial markets, I would say about ten years ago, right? When I, when I just uh, uh, was about you know in university, okay, I was actually a trader slash investor. So what, what do I mean by a, a trader slash investor? So when I buy something, right, a stock, right, I'm looking to sell it for a profit. But if the stock goes against me, right, I would then hold on and become an investor. So that's what I mean by I'm a trader slash investor. And one particular stock that I came across right, was actually called uh, Yang Yangzi Jiang. It's, it's, a, it's a China stock. And, and I, I bought it, right, because at that point in time, I look at the fundamentals, it looked it look good, right? It looks healthy, right? Healthy cash flow, assets, you know, more than liabilities, and yada, yada. Then I analyzed the technical analysis, right? The, the, start, the stock looks like it's in a nice uptrend, right? Seems to be, you know, going on forever, right? So I decided, man, Yang Zhijiang, this is the stock. So I, I bought, you know, uh, quite a number of shares of Yangtzejiang. I think about ten lots, right, which is pretty much all the wealth or net worth I had at that point in time into this in, into this one stock called Yang. Zijian. And uh, so I bought it, right, and I, I felt good, right. And at that point in time, right, I was about to go to Krabi for a holiday, all right, with my friends. So I I went to 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 Krabi for a holiday, and the first thing when I landed right on the island on the resort, the first thing I did is quickly run to the resort and look for an internet connection. <laughs> Right, I want to you know check out what's the price of Yangtze Jiang. Right, and I quickly go to the the, the terminal and tut 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 tut, I, I search. Right, okay. Uh, I believe that they close at a dollar and cents. So that's pretty much similar to the price I bought it. So I felt oh eh, well, okay, that's fine. Life goes on, right? Let's let's you know carry on my day and stuff like that. So the next day again, I went back to the terminal and checked what's the price of yang Zi Jiang. Turr, tut 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 tut. And I realized that Yangtze Jiang it dropped five cents to a price of one dollar seventy cents. So at that point in time, I was feeling all right right i mean after all i know that in the markets there are pullback there are corrections so i kind of accepted it then i you know went on my day next day again go to the term the, the terminal in the resort and search for the price of yang Ziqian. and this time around i realized that it dropped another five cents to one dollar 65 cents so at this point in time right my mind right started you know coming up questions right man rayner are you sure you did your analysis correctly what if you're wrong right did you didn't miss something out so all these voices were going on in my head. And again, I managed to convince myself that, you know, uh, everything is right, right? Uh, you can do this, right? Hold on to your conviction. Trade your plan, plan your trade. Be like Warren Buffett, right? Hold, hold something for the long, long term, right? So again, I I, I didn't uh, do anything with it. I didn't sell it and I just held on to it. Go on with my day. And again, the next day, I come back to the same terminal. And I realized the stock price of Yang Jiang is now at a dollar fifty-five cents. It dropped another ten cents, and at the point of time, right, I was feeling pain, right, because clearly, right, most of my net worth is in this one stock, and the stock, right, isn't performing well, right. Just a few weeks after I've bought it, so I'm feeling pain, right. You know, man, should I should I book the loss now, right? If I take the loss, right, then then you know, uh, I have to you know swallow this few thousand dollar loss. But if I don't sell right now, you know, what if the price goes further against me, the loss would even snowball even bigger. So I had a lot of this, you know, conflicting thoughts, right, to what I should do, buy or sell, you know, and stuff like that. And I just couldn't take it anymore. So when I went back to Singapore, right, I just couldn't stand the pain any longer, and I eventually sold all, sold, sold all my shares, right, of this uh, stock called Yang Zi So what's the lesson behind this? Right, it's... uh don't buy China shares. No, I'm just kidding, right? So the lesson behind this is that it is entirely my fault, right? It's, I had no plan, I had no clue, I had no idea to what I was doing. I was just simply buying a stock, right? No risk management, just wanting to buy the stock because it seemed good, right? It seemed uh, healthy. But it doesn't matter whether the stock is healthy, whether it's good or bad, because I had no plan, no idea to what I was doing, right? So that clearly is my fault, okay? so mistake number 2 that traders make right is that they simply have no clue and no plan to what they're doing they're just thinking of of the entry price and that's it they don't plan for their exits they don't plan about their trade management they don't plan about how many shares to buy based on their optimal you know, risk level yada yada so you can see that generally right what traders think of trading is just entries and indicators they don't pay much attention to exit stop loss and and stuff like that but re- in reality right trading is more of this pie chart over here where you know you've got to focus on your entries uh, manage your trade, right, proper risk management, stop loss, continuous learning, and stuff like that. So this really is how, you know, professional trading is about, right? It's, it's a never-ending learning curve, right? Not just entries, not just indicators, but the whole package together, okay? So that is mistake number two, and I myself, I'm uh, guilty of it. Next one, mistake number three, fool by randomness. So there when you are speculating, when you are dealing in something called probability, right, there is something called the law of large number. So this is a a theory, right, that states that in the short run, your trading results is actually random. And it only aligns right towards the system expectancies, right, in the in the long run. So what do I mean by this, right? So let me give you an example. Let's say you have a a 50 cent coin in your hand, a coin, whatever, as long as there's a head or tail, there's a coin in your hand. When you toss the coin, right, toss it the coin. Six times, okay? I'm sure you can agree with me that the coin toss, right, is not going to come up three heads and three tails, exactly. There is a chance that might happen, but there's also a good chance that it could be four heads. <laughs> not four heads, all right. Four hits. okay? And two tails. I know what you're thinking, right? Four heads and two tails, or it could be five heads and one tail, or maybe even six heads and no tails at all during that uh, six coin toss. That is possible. And... And here's the thing, right, <clears throat> you intuitively know that if you <coughs> toss the coin many times, let's say 100 times, 500 times, 1,000 times, you know that it's likely to have 50% hit and 50% till. But in the short term, right, when you just toss the coin 6 times only, it's not likely to have 3 hits and 3 tails. And this is what we mean by the law of large numbers, is that in the short run, right, your results, right, individual result is actually random and it's only in the in the long run when you have a large sample size only then will it be aligned towards this system's expectancy right just like the coin toss so in trading terms right let me give you an example so let's say you have a system with a 50 percent winning rate and on average let's say you have a one to two risk reward ratio and that is a, a profitable trading system right so many traders think that a trading system with a 50 percent win rate might look something like this right you have a, a win Loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, all the way. You know, win loss, win loss, like you know, roti prata, win loss, win loss, win loss. That's not the case. Okay? In reality, right, when you have a fifty percent win rate, you will encounter stuff like a series of wins, a series of loss, maybe a win loss, win loss, win loss, a series of wins, a series of loss, drawdown, and stuff like that. So it's more like this section over here, right, where you have lose, win, win, lose, 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 then win, loss, then win, 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 lose, win. Something like that, right, where you get to see a drawdown and a winning streak period. So again, you can see that over here, right, let's uh, just highlight to you this portion. You can see that over here in the short run, let's say over the six trades over here, your results here are pretty much random, right? Even with a 50% win rate, you have four losses and two wins over here. But when you extend this out, right, to long enough in time, right, that's where you get your 50% win rate of about eight wins and eight losses in this uh, this so-called sample size over here. Okay, and... Why? Why is this important, right? This is important, right, because if you do not understand the law of large number, if you get fooled by it, you might have come across a profitable trading system, right? but you abandon it because the losing streak has come, the drawdown has come, okay? And you'll never get out of this so-called you know, endless cycle. So take me for example, when when I first got started in trading, right? I, I had no money to attend courses, right? So what I did is to learn through forums, read books, yada, yada. So one at one forum, right? There is this a uh, guru who's you know teaching traders to use Bollinger Bands to to trade, right? When the price comes up to the high of the Bollinger Bands, you sell. Price comes down to the low of the Bollinger Band, you buy, right? Just you know buy low, sell high, right? Pretty easy, right? So I tried this uh, so-called system, uh, made some money at the start, and then when the losses come, right, I abandoned it, right, thinking that oh it doesn't work. Let me find something else, right? So that's where I come across you know stuff like candlestick patterns, right? Hammer, shooting star, thing thing thing, right? Buy the hammer, sell the shooting star right? again. Made some money at the start, and then. Uh, continuously to give back a lot to, to the losses right and more and then I started to to look for the next best thing right you know maybe I was thinking maybe you know I need to be trading something more complex right And that, that's where I came across you know harmonic patterns right it's a really uh, very complex pattern to draw so I, I I spent seven months right learning how to draw this uh, this patterns right the bat the shark right the crab patterns right and again same thing happened right made money at the start, and then eventually losses come, right? And I I would think that, oh man, this doesn't work at all. Then I would, you know, uh, abandon the system and try something else altogether. And you can see clearly where I went wrong, right? It's, it's not that indicators don't work. It's not that, you know, uh, candlestick patterns don't work because uh, those are, are tools right, and techniques right? that could help you as a trader. But what I did wrong over here is that I got fooled by the law of large number. When something didn't go my way, right, after a series of losses, I claimed that, oh, it doesn't work, right, and let me, you know, try something else. But as you've seen over here, right, you can have a 50% win rate and an average of a 1 to 2 risk-reward ratio, and you will still have losing trades along the way. Five or six losing trades is perfectly normal. So that is something that I didn't understand. I actually abandoned, right, many so-called trading systems and strategies are right, looking for the holy grail, which clearly doesn't exist. So don't be like me. Don't get fooled by the law of large number. You have to understand this and embrace this, right? No matter what trading systems you trade. Losing streak will come, definitely, okay? And a super quick recap, right, to to what you've just learned. Number one, right, don't focus on buying cheap stocks. I'll I'll tell you what what you should do later on. Uh, Number two, you need to have a plan. Again, I'll I'll share with you how to have a plan, uh, what I mean by having a complete trading plan. And finally, don't be fooled by randomness. Understand the law of large number. So next, now let's move on into the second section of this uh, this presentation, and and I want to share with you uh, proven trading principles that that work. Okay, so it has worked for me, and I hope it can work for you as well. So principle number one, right, is that I want you to consider buying high and selling higher. Okay, so let me let me prove this to you why you know you want to do this. So earlier, right, recall I said that you know. Uh, buying cheap stocks is not exactly uh, favourable, right? So let's do a quick back test, right, and try to buy low price stocks, right, and see how it performs. So now we have a benchmark to compare against. So this is a, a simple back test, right? We will go long when a stock hits a fifty week low. Okay, we have a twenty percent trailing stop loss. What this means is that if you buy a stock at hundred dollars, okay, your trailing stop loss right, will be at eighty dollars, twenty percent of your buy price. Simple. And if, let's say, the price goes up in your favor, it goes up, let's say, into up to $200, again, your trailing stop loss is 20%. So uh, 20% of a trailing stop loss of a $200 price, right, you will have a trailing stop loss at $160. So just take uh, 20% of $200, that is $40, right? So you, you take $200 minus $40 and your trailing stop loss, your 20% trailing stop loss is at $160. And then we have a filter, right? So sometimes when too many stocks uh makes a 50-week low we are spoiled for choice right you know which stocks do we buy so we have a very simple filter we want to be buying the weakest stocks of them all and how we define weakest right is that we will go with the top 20 stocks right with the largest price decline over the last 50 weeks so stocks that have dropped the most right in terms of percentage those are the stocks that we will focus on buying and we will choose the top 20 weakest stocks to say okay and uh, these are some uh, parameters to, to keep things uh, realistic, right? Transaction cost is uh, one cent per share. Uh, we will be trading only the Russell 1000 stocks. These are the largest 1000 stocks in the US stock market. We will execute on the markets open. Uh, maximum position is 20 with a position size of 5%. So, what this means, right, is that let's say you have a portfolio of $100,000, right, and you need to buy uh, 20 stocks, okay? So, each stock that you buy, right, the, the uh, amount of capital allocated to each stock is not more than 5% of your capital. So if your capital is $100,000, a position size of 5% means that each stock you can only buy a maximum right of 5,000 value worth of one stock. So when you buy 20 of such stock, right, it goes up to 100k, which is your portfolio size. So this is what I mean by maximum open position is 20 and position size is 5%. And we have a testing period, a backtest period between 1990 to 2018. So you can see that uh, it's about 29 years, right? Going through quite a number of bull and bear markets. And you can see that using this uh, simple system, right, the the cheap system, right, you have about 467 trades during this period. Winning rate is 43.68%, with an annual return of 9.28%. Maximum drawdown is uh, 52.27%. Okay, so you can see that uh, this system, yes, it's profitable, but if you look closer, you'd realize that this system doesn't even beat the markets, right? The matrix are actually very similar to a buy and hold approach, but, right, you have to take into consideration transaction costs because now you're just, you know, buying and selling, buying and selling, whereas a buy and hold approach, right, you just buy and hold it forever. So if you think about this, right, this system actually loses to a buy and hold approach, okay? Annual return of about 9 plus percent, a max drawdown of, you know, almost half of your capital, right, you will lose, right, at one point in time during the backtest period. So now... Can we do better than better than that, right? So let's try this approach now. Back test number two. Let's try to buy high and sell higher instead. So how we'll do is again, We we'll, now this time around we will go long, right, when a stock hits a 50-week high. So this is the opposite, right? Instead of buying at a 50-week low, we buy at a 50-week high. And again, exit rule is the same, 20% trailing stop loss, and the filter is the same as well. This time around we will choose, right, if we have... Too many stocks to choose. We will focus on buying the top 20 stocks that has the largest price increase over the last 50 weeks. So, in essence, what we are doing is buying the strongest stocks out there, right? The top 20 strongest stocks. So, again, transaction costs everything else remains the same, risk management as well, back test period everything else remains constant. And you can see that this time round, right, you have more number of trades. So you can see there's a bracket over here. The bracket here refers, right, to the previous backtest that we did based on the buy low and sell high. So you can see that this time round, you have 700 trades more than the previous one over here, which is about 467. Your winning rate has improved, right, to 48.66%. Your annual return has improved to 12.81%. And your maximum drawdown is reduced, right, to 40.75%. You can see that, here right it basically you know improves in almost every factor winning rate and no return and maximum drawdown uh number of trades right i would say is increased so this is not a good thing in the sense that you will incur more transaction costs but it's not really that much of an issue because uh, 700 trades over the last 29 years is is uh, not really a lot right if you, if you calculate the average number of trades per year okay so this is the uh the breakdown right on a month-on-month and year-on-year uh, performance you can see that in uh uh, January this, nineteen ninety December is down 08 percent. Alright, uh, nineteen ninety four January down point nine, February minus two point seven, March minus five point three. But the key thing to pay attention is actually the the yearly results. Right? So so you can see that you know each year how did this uh, so called buy high and sell higher system perform? Okay, so if you want to analyze the numbers, it's all here. Now, let me share with you principle number two. Right, so the first principle I shared is you know to buy high and sell higher. So principle number two is a rising tide lifts all boats. So, for those of you watching now, I'm, some of you are probably married already, and in and, and, and to share with you is that, you know, if you make your wife happy, you're gonna have a happy life, right? A happy wife, a happy life. And it's the same for trading, right? If the overall stock market is doing good, it's bullish, chances are the stocks that you buy would behave in a similar manner as well, because as they say, right, a rising tide lifts all boats. Okay, so how can you apply this to your own trading? Right, so basically what you wanna do is to pay attention to what the uh, stock market, the overall stock market index is doing. Right, if it's up, you wanna buy. If it's not up, if it's down, right, then you want to hold in cash. And this is how you can go about doing it. So what you can do is apply a trend filter. So let's say, for example, if you are trading the US stock markets, you can use the Russell 3000 or the S&P 500 as a trend filter. You can you know, uh, use them as a benchmark. Okay, so these are all uh, different uh, index indices out there. If uh, you're trading Philippine stocks, right, you can use the PSEI. If you're trading the Singapore stocks, you can use the STI as a benchmark. So in this case, right, since we are dealing with uh, US stocks in this uh, presentation, let's go with the Russell 3000 index. So we will use the Russell 3000 index as a trend filter. So this means right, we will only buy if the Russell 3000 index is above the 100-week moving average. If not, right, we will stay in cash. Okay, so this means if that, let's say even we have a long rule where the price breaks above the 50-week high, but if the Russell 3000 is below the 100-week MA, we won't buy because the trend filter says that we should be in cash. Okay, so this is what we mean by it. So again, the rules are all the same. Buy when a stock hits a 50-week high, 20% trailing stop loss, and again, uh, the filter is uh, the top 20 stocks with the largest price increase over the last 50 weeks. Uh, Parameters all the same. And now you can see again, right? Comparing the results, the one in bracket here refers to the uh, buy high and sell higher results, which is backtest number two. Okay, so you can see that number of trades we have increased slightly to about nine hundred. Our winning rate has increased slightly to forty nine percent. Annual return has increased as well to fifteen percent, and our maximum drawdown has decreased to thirty five percent. So you can see that now, when applying a trend filter, right, it further your, it further improves your trading results and if you think about this right the logic behind this is that during a bear market right most stocks tend to you know head lower so in this case right you don't want to be buying because the odds of you know making money during such a crisis period is difficult so it's better to hold on to cash and only when the stock market right has you know reverse back higher you know making new highs Again, right. That's where you want to go back into the stock market, right, and buy the strongest stocks. So that's why you know you actually manage to improve your annual return and reduce your maximum drawdown because uh, during you know recession or crisis period, right, you're holding in cash, so you don't have to see your stock right plummet every single day. So this is uh, like a defensive mechanism for you, the stock trader as well. So this is uh principle number two, right, applying a trend filter. And if you're interested, right, this are the uh, yearly performance of this uh, so called trading system. Okay, so now, principle number three, You've got to have a plan. So what exactly is a plan, right? So whenever you are trading, right, it doesn't matter whether you're a discretionary trader or a systems trader, you have to be able to answer these six questions. Question number one, what markets are you trading? Stock, futures, forex, bonds, whatever, define it. What's your entry trigger? Are you buying breakout, are you buying pullback? Are you trading reversal? Are you trading the, the, the break of a trend line or whatever? What's your entry trigger? You have to define this. How much do you risk per trade? Right, is it one percent risk, two percent risk, or maybe you're going for a portfolio allocation? How do you define your risk? And once you've defined your risk, right, how many shares or units to buy, right, so that you can actually, you know, uh, stick to the risk management uh, protocol, right, that you have defined earlier. Number five, how will you exit the trade when you're right? So if the market goes in your favor, how will you exit your trade? A fixed target profit, a trailing stop loss. Number six, how will you exit the trade if you're wrong? This means where are you going to put your stop loss? Okay, so these are six questions that you must answer. And if you look at the uh, so called trading system I shared with you earlier, it pretty much answers these six questions. Again, you can see that over here, trend filter and the buy rule and this filter, this answers the question, right? When to buy, right? Uh, what's your entry trigger? So this over here, this portion, right, answers our question of what's, what's your entry trigger? The exit rule over here tells you where to exit your trade if you're right and when to exit your trade if you're wrong. Basically, this one covers both the stop loss and uh, and the exit of winning trades. Moving on, you can see that over here, Test Universe is the Russell 1000 stocks. This tells you what are the stocks or what are the markets that we are trading, okay? And the uh, position size of 5% and the maximum open positions is the risk management that we are adopting for this particular so-called trading system. So you can see that this, alright pretty much answers all six questions that I have just shared with you earlier. Okay, so this is important. So let's do a quick recap, right? Number one, right? you wanna consider buying high and selling higher, right? Uh, It's a more profitable way to trade, right? Especially for the stock markets. Uh, You can use the stock market index as a trend filter. If you're trading US stocks, you can look at the S&P 500, the Russell 3000, yada, yada. And number three, you gotta have a plan, right? And a plan basically will tell you when to buy, when to sell risk management and all the stuff like that. Okay, so that's a a quick recap. So now, before I end, right, today's presentation, I want to share with you something, something personal from the heart, right, from my heart. And this is me, right, actually back when I was about 15 or 16, I think 15 years old, okay, I was actually in a KFC, in this particular (laughs) t-shirt, KFC, right. And... And you can see right that I was severely overweight. I think I weigh about I had a maximum weight of uh, hundred and eight kilos. That was my max weight, or was it hundred and ten? There about right. It's, it's uh, definitely triple digit. And and then shortly, I would say you know eight months later, right, I managed to lose thirty kg. And after that, a couple of years, I did manage to you know put on a little bit of uh, muscles as well, some little bit of muscle mass. So this is a picture over here. You can see right my so called transformation. And here's another one I want to share with you, right? You can see that back. When I was in secondary school, right, I was actually last in class. I can see, right, out of the entire class of 35 students, I am 35 out of 35. In other words, I'm the last in class. And I'm overweight. And, you know, and and uh, I, and really, right, things didn't seem too good for me. All right. And and uh, somehow or other, right, when I eventually got my degree, I graduated with a first class honours. So now, the, here's the thing, right. Why am I sharing this with you? Why am I sharing this with you? It's not to brag, right? I don't like to brag. But the reason why I'm sharing this with you is that your past and present does not equal to your future. So right now, it could mean that, you know, you are you are a losing trader. Maybe, you know, you have a many-filled relationship. Maybe you're a horrible student. You're a horrible employee, right? You are poor in your finance. You're poor in your relationships, right? You're a loser. But it doesn't matter because your past or your present does not equal to your future. Just look at the two examples I just shared with you earlier, right? I was fat, severely overweight, and hey, I lost those weight, right? Put on a little bit of muscle along the way. I was the worst student that you can find, but hey, doesn't matter, right? I graduated with first class honours. So your past does not equal to your future. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter. It's all over. What matters is right now. Right now, because the changes that you're going to do right now is going to create a better future. So now some of you might be thinking, okay, Rainer. How did you do it, right? How did you, you know, go from a, a, a losing, a, a, a fat, overweight kid, right, who suck at studies to someone who, you know, uh, lost all their weight and, you know, and, and did well for his studies? How did you do it? And the, here's the secret, right? The secret is this. The secret is not the how. The secret is the why. So let me explain to you what I mean by this. So back then when I was fat, okay, and I've not shared this with, I think, any of you before, but when, I, when, when you are fat, right, I'm not sure if any of you are fat, right? But when I was fat, I didn't I didn't feel good, right? I was always self-conscious of myself, right? I'm always, you know, you know, taking up too much space. I'm wondering, man, man am I giving up any smell, right? Is the you know, people in the public transport and are they, you know, affected by my smell, right? Uh, am I perspiring too much? Okay, I'm always very self-conscious. And when you are fat, you are the center of attraction. There's no denying it, you are the center of attraction. Okay? When you do a group project with your friends and something goes wrong, they blame the fat guy because the fat guy is lazy. When you go to a shop right, and maybe a glass bottle breaks, they look at the fat guy because he's clumsy. When you go to a restaurant, a meal with your friends and a bill comes up, boom, whoa, $500. Who ate the most? You look at the fat guy because he eats the most. He eats the most, right? So it's always the fat guy, the fat guy, and the fat guy. And I eventually I got sick and tired of being the fat guy. You know, getting blamed for things that I didn't even do, right? Just because I'm fat. Just because I'm different. So I I, I am sick and tired of it, right? And, and one fine day, I told myself, this is enough, right? I, I want to have a normal life. I want to get married. I want to be, I want to be, you know, uh, dating, right? I want girls to be attracted to me. I had all these thoughts that made me, I, I can't even get married because I'm too fat, right? And, you know, nobody wants me. So enough is enough, right? So that's where I decided to, you know, I'm going all in to lose those weight. So what did I do? Well... I just did whatever is logical to me right I I cut down my food right I started eating you know kuei Tiao soup rice right? basically noodles with soup I stopped drinking those uh, seven up coca cola ice lemon tea <laughs> I stopped all the sugar drink I just drink plain water mineral water mineral water mineral water and that's it all right I eat about I think uh, three meals a day still but those meals are all low in salt sorry low in sugar and low in fat and low in carbs pretty low in carbs and then I started going to the gym Okay, I just run on the treadmill 20 minutes, two, three times a week, plus that diet of mine, that pretty much got me to like, I think, uh, 20 plus to 30 kilos within eight months. Right, then I started lifting weights since I'm at the gym. You know, I'm already there, might as well just lift some weight along the way. And after a few years, right, uh, pretty much put on a little bit of muscles along the way. And that's how I did it. There's no magic behind my how. As you can see, that this are stuff that are pretty common sense. All right? If I'm not sure, I can just go Google and read some books on how to lose uh, some weight or exercise. But before I actually reach the how stage, I had to find my why. And this is why I said that the why is more important than the how. Because once you find your why, the how will take care of itself. And my why is that the pain of being fat is greater than the pain of doing something about it. Okay, the pain of being fat is greater than the pain of doing something about it. And that, right, that why of mine create a fire to go out there and create my so-called own miracle. That's it, okay, and back to my studies. How did I, uh, uh, you know, got from last in class to graduating with first class honors, right, second in my cohort, how did I do it, right? So this is the why. So, as you know, right, I am pretty much a mediocre student all my life, and, and, and here's the thing, right? My dad, right, back then, he is a sole proprietor, okay? What he does is that he delivers goods to a supermarket, like detergent, right, stuff like, you know, to clean your window, clean your floor, right? Uh, those type of bacterial scrub and stuff like that. So those goods are all liquid and they're heavy, right? Each carton weighs anywhere from, you know, 10 to 20 kilos, one carton. And every day he will deliver all these goods to the supermarket. So what he needs to do is he just go to the warehouse, take those goods and put them in his lorry. And from his lorry, he has to deliver to all the individual supermarket every day. And mind you, he is lifting, right, about 100 of these cartons a day. 100 multiplied by 10 kilos, that's a 1,000 kilo, That is one ton. And that is only from the warehouse to the lorry. From the lorry to the supermarket, he has to unload this one ton down. So in total, each day he's lifting like two tons. 2,000 kilos. And my dad is not young. My dad is in his 60s. He's out in the sun every single day getting scorched, getting burned. For what? Just because he can put me to university. Just so that I can have, have a better educa- education so I, I don't, you know, maybe I don't, I don't have to work in the sun. So when I thought about this, right, and when I Entered university, I realized that man. I can't be you know goofing around uni and just you know passing with mediocre grades. I I, I can't do justice to my dad right by behaving in that manner. So I told myself when I enter university, I'm going to get a first class honors. I don't care what it takes. I'm going to do it. That is my why. Was it difficult? Yes, it's difficult right because I don't even know how to study at that point in time. I had to teach myself how to study at the age of. 21 or 22, when I enrolled in uni, I had to go to Google, I had to go to the library for the first time, I had to go to YouTube, right? Uh, uh, Formulas, right? Theories, right, that I didn't understand in class, because not all of us has, um, have amazing lecturers. But there's no excuse to fail, right? You can always go out there, the internet, huge resources out there to find the answers that you're seeking. And when exams come, I'm studying 12, 14 hours a day in my room, right? Locked up in the room that for 12, 14 hours a day, was it easy? No, it isn't easy, right? Try sitting down 12 hours a day, right? Doing papers after papers after papers. It wasn't easy. But how did I do it? It's my why. Because whenever I felt demotivated, whenever I felt that I just can't push on any any longer, the only thing that I need to think about is of my father. When I'm in the econ room, studying for 12 hours a day, my dad is out there in the heat, in the sun, slogging his guts out so that his son can study in university, so that his son, right, can go out there and have a competitive out advantage right in looking for a job so i just couldn't take it lying down right i couldn't just you know procrastinate get demotivated while my dad is logging his guts out perspiring in the hot sun in singapore carrying two tons a day on average i can't i can't swallow that so that's all i need to picture that's all i need to imagine right to get the whatever confidence whatever mojo you call it, right, to get back on track to study. And that's how I pretty much, you know, attained my first class honor. It's through, it's through sheer, I would say, perseverance and discipline. That's it. There's no secret sauce. I'm not a bright student. I don't have a high IQ. I don't even know how to study. I have to start everything from scratch. But the, the, the reason why I'm able to do it, the how, is because I found my why. My why of not letting my father down. My why of making my parents proud. Making my dad proud, right? To let him know that all his effort that he has put in to me, right? For the last 20 odd years, right? You know, feeding me, clothing me, putting me to school, is not in vain. That is my why. And that's the point I'm trying to bring out to you here today. You know, if you want to be a trader, forget about all the hows, the strategies, and the techniques. Find your why. Because once you find your why, right? Trust me, my friend. Your why will trump all excuses out there. All the excuses that, you know, it's my broker's fault, right? Oh, it's the market's fault. You know, it's the Greek financial crisis. It's the 08-09 financial crisis. Blah, 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 blah. Forget it. Once you find your why, your excuses will melt. Just like that. Okay, so this is, uh, I, I leave this at the last because this I find is so, so, so important that many traders don't even realize it. And I'm sharing this with you now. Your why is more important than your how. And your why would trump all excuses. And by the way, if you are, Interested in today's slide, you can go down to this over here, tradingwithreina.com slash event, and download the slides. Uh, It's free. With that said, I wish you good luck and good trading, and I will talk to you soon.
0: Right, thanks Raina for that fantastic presentation that you have prepared for us. Now, as I was listening to your presentation, a lot of uh, thoughts and questions come into my mind, uh, especially on some of those things that you touched on. I hope that I'll be able to address them uh, with you because I believe those are some of the questions that the summit participants might have as well. So let me get in, Get started into the, the very first question uh, that I have in, in my mind. So in, in your personal, Experience. Okay, can you share with us what is one of the worst mistakes that you have made as a trader and how were you able to find that motivation to overcome it as what you said earlier on, the why part is important, right? So what is the worst mistake and what was the why that helped you overcome that worst mistake instead of giving up?
1: Okay, so I think one of the worst mistakes I mean, I made a lot of mistake, but one of the ones that really helped me back is, is you know, hopping from trading system to trading system. So I, uh, I started up stuff with, you know, indicators, ten candlestick pattern, price action, uh, harmonic patterns. I tried pretty much everything and anything under the sun, and that's where it dawned on me that, you know, when you trade, it's like a business. You gotta do it right with consistency. You cannot be all over the place because if you are inconsistent with your actions, then your results will be inconsistent as well. So that's where I started, you know, stripping off. Everything right, and just focusing on the stuff that you know makes the most sense to me at that point in time. So that's where I dive deep, uh, focus on one method, and just uh, stick to it all the way. So that was one of the my uh, mistake, biggest mistakes I've made. One of the aha moment I have right, and and yeah, and the way the why the why I did it is because uh, I guess it's part and parcel of, of learning, right? I I know that trading, it's uh it's a skill for life. It's not like you know you you do something for the hour, you get paid by an hour and that's it, it's over. No, it's a skill that if you invest it, right, it will reap dividends for the next you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, depending how much more you, you will live, right? So it's a skill for life and that's the why, right? To why I want to get good at this business, yeah.
0: I see, I see. And I, I just now, at the later part of your presentation, you actually emphasize on the part about your story and how you actually find the biggest why of you trying to become better in whatever that you do. So I think this resonates very strongly with me. And I think that this is also one important part that many uh, new traders especially uh, got it wrong and they don't even know why. So what are some of those wrong whys that you have seen that most new traders have when they start off their journey?
1: Okay, I would say the most obvious one is just focusing on the money, right? It's very easy to get sidetracked. I mean. All of us get into trading, yes, for the money is a huge part of the reason. But if you just solely focus on the money, then you're going to be disappointed because trading is unlike, you know, working at McDonald's where you work one hour, you get paid immediately for like what? Six or $7 immediately where you can see the money. In trading, right, there's a learning curve to it. Kind of like taking a degree, for three years, right? There's a steep learning curve. And for the first three years, four years, maybe, you might not even see the money. And on top of it, you will even lose money. So if you're only... If your intention, your expectation is to come into trading and quickly make money within a short period of time, then your why is clearly off, right? Your expectation is not aligned with reality. So my suggestion is to really understand what this business is all about. It's kind of like setting up a, a brick and mortar business. I think most brick and mortar business, they don't even make money in the first few years, right? They are still uh, you know, trying to recoup their investment that they've put into the business, trying to get their process and systems right. And trading is just like that. It's, uh, it's all about, Learning, experimenting, navigating through these troubled waters and along the way, hopefully, you don't drown, right? And if you don't drown, you survive, right? Then that's where you can reap the rewards, you know, for later years to come. So that is uh, really, I would say, the expectations of what trading is all about. And, and don't focus on the money immediately. I know that's the main reason why you got into trading, but look at the big picture, okay? Okay. Uh, if you just keep thinking about the money that I want to make X dollar this week, this month, this year, right? I want to turn a a $300 account to six or seven figures, then really you'll be sorely, sorely disappointed.
0: I see, I see. I've I've actually read pretty often before many of those um, very good profitable traders. They usually say that money is actually a way of for them to help to keep score in terms of this trading game that they are playing. What's your thought on that? Is that one of the kind of, Ideal wise to have, and and what are the other right kind of whys that you think that traders should think about uh, before they decide whether they want to get into this trading business seriously or not?
1: Okay, to the first part of the question, uh using PNL to to gauge your keeping score, I would say PNL can be a little bit, uh not a very good idea for me because. P&L, right, it's a function of how much you risk per trade. You risk a lot, then your, your PL will fly up and down, you know, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty wildly, right? So I think a better way to gauge, right, is to see your, your equity curve, right, in terms of percentage over time, how it has been you know, going up and going down. Ideally, you want an equity curve that's sloping up higher over time. And depending on your own uh, suggestion, your, your own temperament, right, how volatile your equity curve you want it to be, whether is it a huge spike up and down, it depends on how much you're risking per trade. So for me, ideally, for me, a way of keeping track is that I want a nice upward sloping equity curve over time that is not very deep. Does not does not have a deep drawdown. That's my so-called my goal from trading. And of course, you know, uh, to, to earn a decent rate of return, right, that beats the markets. So that's uh, how I would gauge my own performance. Uh, I see, I see. The second part of your question is, uh what what, what do you mention? Is it uh, the why, finding the right why? Yes, the right why.
0: So what are some of the right whys that you have um, identified along the way that you think that if someone has that right why, then they should seriously consider trading? So what's okay. that kind of right why?
1: So I would say those that succeed in trading, I find that they typically succeed in other endeavor because they have pretty much what it takes. They are the type of people that, that uh, they go all in, right? They, they don't take anything as face value. They are willing to do the work. They don't expect to be spoon-fed and whatever information that is reached to them, right? They will validate it. They will verify it before they they, they use it. Okay, so it's something similar to like, I think at Secota, he mentioned something like, you know, everyone gets what they want out of the markets. And I find that those people who who succeed, right? They have the right values and they have the right attitude towards trading, right? If you are the type of trader that, expects to be spoon-fed, if you're the type of trader that, you know, points here, point there, you know, blame the systems, blame the guru, blames the broker, whatever, then it's going to be hard for you to find success. Whereas traders who take ownership, they take responsibility, right? They, they are basically independent people, you know, uh, uh, self-starters, right? These are the ones that, that will succeed because they basically have the right mindset to pretty much succeed in anything, not just trading, I would say, in, in, in their own careers or whatever, they will be pretty much successful as well.
0: I see, I see. So uh, let me now go on to address one specific um, area that you cover in your presentation about the trailing stop of 20%, which you show in your back test one to, one to three. So uh, just to help to clarify, because some of those summit participants might not really understand a, a very brief uh, trailing stop of 20%. Can you elaborate a bit further? What do you mean uh, by having a trailing stop of 20%? How, how will it look like having a trailing stop of 20%?
1: Sure. So let's say you buy a stock, right? Let's say you buy the breakout at $100. So a trailing stop loss simply means, right, if the price of a stock, right, drops 20%, that's where you exit the trade. So if if you buy $100, clearly a 20% stop loss is at $80. So if the price hits below $80, you exit the trade. At the same time, if the stock moves in your favor, let's say from $100, it moves up to a high of $150. Again, the same 20% trailing stop loss, can be used. But this time around, your stop loss is not at $80. It's actually at $120. Why 120 Because you just take 20% of the highs of 150, that's about $30. So you take $150 minus $30, that gives you a trailing stop loss of $120. And that's the price level, right? If the price breaks below it, you exit the trade. So basically the 20% trailing stop loss is like a, a buffer to give your trade room to breathe and to, to, to ride the trend should it you know occur.
0: I see. I see. So it will probably also means that as the price becomes higher and higher, especially if it's like having many folds of uh, jump in prices, does that mean that the trailing stop in absolute terms will actually wider and wider as well?
1: Uh, let me think. Because twenty
0: percent of a higher price is going to be more than the twenty percent of a low price.
1: Yes, yes, you're right. In terms of an absolute number of dollar terms, right? In terms of the yes. price, in terms of dollar day, trailing stop loss, it gets wider because we're dealing with percentage and not fixed $10 or $5 trailing stop loss. Yes.
0: I see, I see, fantastic. All right, so I'm going to move on to one more, one question over here where you actually emphasize the fact about having a trend filter, which means that you actually identify what is the current trend of the broad market first, before you even decide whether you should be focusing on buying or, or holding cash, right? So um, there is this part where you mentioned that if Russell 3000 is below the 100 days moving average, uh, uh, above the 100 days moving average, you should look at uh, buying the, the best performance stocks there, right? And if it's below that, you should be holding on to the cash. So I'm just wondering uh, so if let's say there's a, this scenario where Russell 3000 is below the 1000 a 100 days moving average, should I actually consider shorting the bottom 20 stocks with the largest price decrease over the past 50 weeks? Have you ever actually tested uh, including the shorting part of this entire strategy into the system as well? And will you further improve the metrics that you showed in backtest three?
1: Okay. So I don't think it's 100 days. Or I think it's 100 weeks, right? Just to, just to clarify that. Okay. I think weeks. I 100 okay. weeks. Yeah. So to your question, right? So you've got to, so, here's the thing about the stock markets is that generally in the long term they are uptrending. Generally they go up over time. So, if you were to, I, I've tried this, I've back tested it. It's that let's say Russell 1000, Russell 3000 is below the 100 week moving average and you've shot the worst performing stocks. It ends up uh, uh, doing pretty badly actually. Because, reason being, is that I my hypothesis is that uh, down. Downturn markets, right, it doesn't last very long, unlike bull markets. So when you shot the stocks, right, and it makes a, like a, a rally, your trailing stop loss gets hit very often, and that's actually a, a pretty bad strategy to, to use. So this is why, uh, if you want to short stocks, right, in a bear market, my suggestion is don't try to use a trailing stop loss, right? Because the uh, the, the downturn, right, is, sometimes is usually very short and it can reverse very quickly. So you might want to go with something with a, a fixed target profit, right? Taking, you know, a fixed target profits instead of trying to ride the whole swing down lower. So, but nonetheless, right, back to your question, if I were just to do, to do the inverse, right? Uh, using a trailing stop loss when the market is in a downturn, it's a, it's not a viable strategy. It, it loses money in the long run.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it, it actually makes quite a lot of sense because during a downturn, the move are usually, usually sharp down move with a sharp up move rebounds. Uh, So it can be very volatile and using a trailing stop, you might get stopped out very quickly and with with, with minimal profits as well. So I think that's a good point. And and I think the summit participants should take note of this. If you are thinking about shorting the market, uh, the bear market kind of um, um, situation might be very different from a general uptrending kind of a bull market. All right, great. So uh, Now, next question for you, Rainer. If I am a short term trader, how can I adjust the parameters that you show in your back test to suit my trading horizon? Because your, I think your your, your back test that general principle strategy, uh, it seems to me more like a position trading kind of thing. So if let's say I'm a shorter term swing trader, for example, what are some of the parameters I might need to adjust in order to still be able to use that kind of principle?
1: Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I have no idea because I don't, I don't trade short. Uh, don't trade stocks right in the, in the short term like you know like uh, uh, but one thing I can share is that stocks right they tend to to mean revert so I've done a backtesting in fact I also have one of this system that I call it the mean reversion trading system is that stocks that tend to pull back let's say towards the 10 day low to the 20 day low right or even you can check out the book by uh, Larry O'Connor and Cesar Alvarez they wrote I can't remember what's the title but you just search down on Amazon right they Actually, share a strategy about the two-period RSI. So basically, uh, buying right where the stocks uh, is below the two-period RSI. I think below five, the value. And the key idea is simply to buy stocks on a pullback in an uptrend. Right. That's the key idea behind this mean reversion trading uh, system. So if a trader who wants to trade short term, right, uh, not holding to right trends for long term, they could consider you know buying dips in a uptrend in the stock market. You know, buying buying pullback. The way you want to define dips is is uh, there are many ways to do it. For example, you can use the 2 period RSI, as I mentioned. Uh, some traders use uh, Bollinger Bands to, when entering when the price uh, closes below the uh, lower Bollinger Bands. Some could use like a 20-day low. So there are many ways to do it, but I would say that's one of the uh, approach, right, a trader can consider, right, if they want to, Trade short-term right in the stock markets, basically buying dips in an uptrend. Yeah,
0: I see. I see. So basically, the the essential principle is to no matter what kind of trading time frame, uh, make sure that you are actually doing the right action. It means in terms of buy or sell, based on the the, the bigger trend that you are currently in. Right.
1: Yes, and also one thing to add is that the stock markets, uh different markets behave differently. So for stock markets, they have, tend to have a mean reverting behavior. So what this means is that when the market tends to like pull back or retest, let's say for example, uh, one of the tests I did is that I realized that the uh, s and 500, okay, uh, whenever it retests the prior week low, right, it tends to find support and you know, rallies back up higher. So this market, like the stock market, they have this mean reverting behavior and it's important. I think this is something that you covered last year uh, with Andrea Unger, right? He talks hmm. about behavior of the market and that was a principle that I learned from him and from, from you because of the summit and, and that's where I realized different markets behave differently right so, so uh, if you're a short term trader it's definitely important to know how the markets you're trading tends to behave another example is uh, pound yen or crude oil they have a trending behavior whenever the price breaks out of the previous day high it tends to have a follow through markets like Aussie-Canadian, it tends to have a mean reverting behaviour. Whenever the price breaks above the previous day high, it tends to be a false breakout. So yeah, this is, a, again, I think the participants can refer to last year's topic by Andre Onger, and they should learn something from it as well. It's a, you fantastic, help
0: fantastic. Them. All right, cool. So I have one last question for you. It's a more of a bigger picture kind of a question. So you, you mentioned uh, just now that some of those steps to actually build a plan, one of that involves deciding which markets to trade, right? So uh, what in your personal opinions are the main consideration if I'm a trader, I, I want to formulate up a plan. And now the first question here is decide which market to trade. So. Based on your personal experience and opinion, what do you think are the main considerations I need to think about when deciding which markets to trade? For example, like forex, stocks, or uh, maybe commodities, or indices, or currencies, and stuff like that. So, how sh- what was the main consideration that you think as a trader I should be thinking about before deciding which markets to trade?
1: I would say number one is your strategy. Right, is your tr- strategy trying to achieve? For example, if you are talking about. Uh, classical trend following, right? They trade all markets, right? Uh, all the futures market, including currency, bonds, agriculture, soft commodities, hard commodities, et cetera. Because that's, that's the nature of their strategy. They trade so many different markets to cap, to try to capture trends across these different uh, so-called sectors. And let's say, for example, you are a, a day trader, maybe you're a, a Forex day trader, right? Uh, then it kind of makes sense to be focusing on possibly the uh, Major currency press, right? Transaction costs. there is lower, spreads are lower. So that could, you know, uh, help you reduce your transaction costs for a Forex day trader. Uh, maybe if you're a short-term, uh, let's say, stock trader, you might want to focus on the large caps like the S&P 500, Russell 1000, to kind of uh, write that so-called mean reversion that exists in those markets. Maybe you have a trader that uh, wants to, uh, what do you call it? Uh, trade penny stocks right? And then needless to say your, your stock universe will be those penny stocks or the small cap stocks. So I would say to your question is that it depends on your strategy. Yeah, there's there's, there's no like, uh, yeah, that's, I would say the first and foremost consideration is your strategy.
0: I see, I see. Well, it has been a wonderful learning and recap journey personally for me and I'm sure that's the case for the summit participants as well. So thanks Rainer for your participation in this particular summit.
1: You're welcome, Philip. Thank you for having me and it's my pleasure.
0: Fantastic. So now for those of you watching this summit video, if you would like to keep in touch with Rainer and download the slides handout for this presentation that he has just delivered, remember to click on the link below this summit video. Now with that, we have come to the end of this presentation and this sharing by Rainer. I'm your summit host, Philip Teo, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the summit videos and grow to become the trader that you aspire to be. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Trading Conversations. If you'd like to assess past and future episodes of this podcast, please head to traderwave.com podcast to learn more. That's it from me for now, my friends. I'm your host, Philip Teo, and I look forward to have you joining us again in the next episode of Trading Conversations.